I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at KindFarmsInc, all one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is RYAN10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we have actress and musician Kaylin Ohm. You know her from the Netflix hit show, Hit and Run. She's incredible. You have to check out her music. It goes under the pseudonym Amara. I apologize. This one has been late. My dog has been missing for three weeks, and it has been a really tough time. But Kaylin, I was so grateful to talk to you. Here it is. Kaylin Ohm, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you on. I was uh, I was just talking to you off air that I was I was going through your site and I'm like a very 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 pretentious music video and music snob and like <laughs> to be honest I'm I'm a dick about it and your stuff is awesome and I, I never say that I'm not just blowing smoke up like it is beautiful. I mean it's sonically and and and. And visually, what you're doing, like I watched that one uh, that you did in the thunderstorm, I believe. And oh man, yeah, was it Black Window? Am I saying that right? Oh, Black Moon. (laughs) Black Moon, Black Moon, Black Moon. (laughs) Something, yeah, some kind of orifice. Things about black moons or dancing or storms or something. Yeah, Yeah. but man, you have such an eye. And then I had the pleasure of watching Hit and Run, and now you're you're coming over to to my world, to the acting world. So what can't you do? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, If it's cool with you, though, let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Sure. Yeah. I'm from a a little mining town, little ski town in British Columbia in Canada called Fernie. Uh, It's about a population of 4,000, but it inflates in the wintertime seasonally because of the ski hill and um, grew up kind of in the woods as a kid in in the woods, really. So quite, quite rural. Yeah, I mean it's it's about three hours from Calgary, Alberta, um, but it's in tucked into the va- into a little valley in the Rockies, and um, beautiful, beautiful place. Unfortunately, it's been subject to some clear cutting these past few years, and oh, there's no. definitely there's coal mines in the area. That's really where the town sort of found its boom. Um, I believe in the early 1900s, but it uh, it was my little landscape growing up, and it's a beautiful place. And, and I'm curious because you you truly are an artist. I mean, you're an editor, you're a musician, like you, you, you are a real artist. How mm-hmm. did this whole thing, like, are your parents artists? Like, you know, like, I'm so curious how this all started to happen for you. Um, thank you for saying that. I, it's, it's kind of interesting. I grew up in the first two years of my life. I was in a little cabin actually off grid between Cranbrook and Kimberley, which are two neighboring towns about an hour away from Fernie, where I grew up most of my childhood. And so I was really like no electricity, no running water in the woods with my parents for the first two years of my life. And 
And then my entire upbringing through school and high school, I was really an athlete. Um, I was a ski racer and played all of the sports in school, soccer and basketball, volleyball and track and all of that. And um, I had kind of, told kind of thinking relative. you were going to do the, the Olympic track, you know, not to go for, not good <laughs> I, for I mean, Canadian cliche, but sorry. No, no. I mean, I, I think I had been in the competitive world with all those sports and I suppose I always had big visions for myself, but there was something about film that I always knew. I always knew I would go into film. And apparently I told a relative when I was two, when they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's kind of embarrassing. If I'm telling the honest truth, I think I said famous, which I don't <laughs> obviously would have no idea. Any, any honest person has thought <laughs> that, that at some point, you know. Yeah. Sure. Um, my parents had taken me to a, a drive-in movie theater when I was like tiny, tiny. And oh God, I, I, I missed those. Yeah, they had like a an old Ford Econoline van and my dad had bolted my car seat to the motor, which was in between the first, the front seats, like facing the window. You know, you're supposed to put baby car seats facing backwards, but mine was fully facing the window so I could see the road as a, as a baby. And I guess that was like my first experience with films was this drive-in movie theater and I just stuffed my face with popcorn and didn't blink once and then told my grandmother and my aunt that I wanted to be a part of this world and I think that it was something I just never stopped thinking about growing up and I worked at the at the movie theater in my hometown through high school so I got to watch a lot of movies there was there I'm sorry going back to the drive-in what do you remember the film no, I I definitely don't. Apparently, I was really like too. I that would be awesome if I yeah yeah if it was a, like yeah, if yeah. I was that moved yeah. Um, I should ask. It's funny that I haven't asked them actually. I don't even know if they would remember. Um, but I yeah, I really grew up in like through high school playing sports, and it's funny because I started applying to acting schools um, to move right out of high school into that, and I had done drama in school and um was always artistic and into creativity and I had been a dancer since I was 10 and I did figure skating as well for a little while so that I was in the sort of like movement arts got it um in a sense but then yeah I I decided I was going to go to acting school and I kind of looked into some programs there was the acting sort of bachelor of arts at Ryerson University and all Canadian schools Yeah. I I mean, I had sort of maybe had an idea about USC or, or NYU, but being this kind of, you know, kid from a small town, though I had large aspirations, I'm not really sure that those schools felt entirely accessible to me right out of high school without any kind of like life experience you know yeah Yeah. strong secondary arts program or something like that and also financially especially with the dollar at that time I mean it would have been just an extraordinary I went to NYU I'm a quarter of a million dollars in debt it's no it's so dumb (laughs) oh it's it's a it's a tragedy the whole student debt thing really but um and I had just to sort of backtrack to tell to move into the story about why I decided not to go to acting school and why I went to film school for film production was in my ski skiing years um, I had gotten in a ski ski accident and and broke my back pretty severely and that kind of changed the trajectory of my my I guess involvement in sports and dance and I think I sort of knew that acting was a craft that relied so heavily on the physical form and, and especially because I knew I wanted to do film and television on the way that you looked. And I guess I created this rationale that if something else ever happened to me, I couldn't act, what would I do? So I thought I should go to film school, learn how films are made because I'm really curious about that too. And then I'll just make my way through the back door as an actor, because also for some reason I thought, I don't think I'm going to be the person who, is picked out of the cattle call and yeah. you know given the the opportunity I didn't really sort of see myself as the chosen one ever and I thought me either so young, I guess, I was like, that's I why I got a to- podcast <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do you know yeah and so I think I just 
I just decided and sort of, I decided I was like making my own way into it um, before I even tried. And that's what sort of took me to Vancouver Film School right out of high school. And then I kind of just left my body and went into my brain and started focusing on art and, and not really doing sports anymore. And it was this. Was it, was there a period of of mourning of, of saying goodbye to sports? No, it's funny. I I don't, I, (laughs) I can be uh, sentimental um, with goodbyes, but I also am someone who just kind of like steps into the next thing and whatever I just left is kind of gone. Like, I don't think, um, I didn't mourn it too heavily. And, and it's something that is still very much a part of my life, you know, fitness and movement, something that I'm super appreciative actually that I did all of those things growing up because I think it informs so much of what you do, just having body awareness in certain ways. And especially as an actor, all yeah. of my experience playing all of those sports and, and doing dance, I don't feel um, there's something to hang on to. If you leave your body, you have some, some ability to come back to it with those types of practices. If you can't do it through like your acting training, you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> does that make sense? A hundred percent. I completely identify. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, because obviously now, I mean, God, Vancouver kind of could give LA for a run for its money. Was it at the time was the industry as, as present there as it is now when you went there? Yeah. So I, um, went while I was in school for film production, there was, there was a lot filming. A few of the folks that I went to school with got jobs as PAs on like big Hollywood movies and were working night shifts and then coming to school during the day. And I ended up being one of those people. I I got a job as a PA on X-Men 3. Oh, um, awesome. Which was filming kind of, it started, I think, only a month or two before I finished my program. So there was only a slight crossover there. Um, but that was an interesting experience, being able to just kind of be on those film sets. And even though I was a PA, I was able to kind of volunteer myself to be the video village PA. Oh, nice. I love it. Yeah. And just kind of sit and watch the actors and watch the monitor. And and and, and that's like a big budget film to have that experience. I mean, yeah. Yeah. um, I mean, there's like Ian McKellen and Halle Berry and Hugh Jackman and Ellen Page, Elliot Page now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. One uh, another Canadian finest. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. 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 They're amazing. They, they actually were a really cool um, presence for me at that time. I think having another Canadian, um, they were super friendly and sort of brought me in in moments, just having sweet conversation on set and just letting me into sort of maybe that world a little bit. And um, I think it was really inspiring to see someone who, was Canadian and from a small town and so down to earth, just kind of coming out of doing hard candy um, and into X-Men. And I was like, okay, there's a path that can be paved in that, you know, coming from that world. Of course, I didn't have something like trailer park boys behind me like they did, but it was, um, yeah, uh, pretty cool to, to be able to see all those people work and, and Philippe Brusselo as the DP. It was just oh, amazing. Was so, ma- so massive to look at, you know? Um, you know, I mean, I did go for acting, but I had a lot of friends in the NYU film program and for, I'm curious for you and, and for the Americans listening and also for the Canadians, you know, just so you can compare to the uh, American one here in America, it's like the first two years you kind of do the super eight and like all these kind of class things. And it's only in the final two years that you really, particularly the final year where you start to make your own film. And even though it then it's not really till grad school where you get to like make a real film. So how did, how does Canadian film school work for all the uh, aspiring people listening? Well, I hear you say that. And I just, my heart breaks a little bit because I, I wanted to have that sort of that, much of a dense experience with schooling but Vancouver Film School is is like a 12-month intensive program oh wow it's just you're in it and it's like I think it was two months off one week or two months on one week off for 12 months and so you basically I I remember if I recall correctly we walked into the building had a little 
sort of group meeting in the theater and they sent us off with cameras that afternoon to shoot some documentary style stuff. Just it was like avant-garde, have fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just in it. I think we had our first um, little documentary class with a, a man named George Johnson, who is amazing. And I will never forget him. He worked with the national film board for many years as a, as a, documentary producer I believe um and he was I think documentary was the first project that we went into we did little mini docs and then we pitched to do longer documentaries and then we went right into short films like two rounds of short films basically and they kind of operated it um similarly to how the industry works where you have to try out for excuse me for a the the lead roles you know directing you have to pitch the script and and bring your vision um if you want to direct someone else's script if you want a dp you have to have sort of scored the in the top six for this for the onset practicum exam kind of thing so it was all sort of very competitive and there was only six documentaries and then in total 12 short films like six for each round so we didn't really get like Unfortunately, we didn't get a lot of history or theory um, or a lot of opportunity to really examine the process and strip things down and get. Um, it was really a crash deep course. Into understanding. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, it was like, how resourceful are you? How motivated are you? How sort of naturally talented in a way? Or like, do you get it? Yeah. Here's some resources like go do it and you have this badge now this sort of diploma on your cv i think vancouver film school is fairly highly regarded yeah yeah yeah. they have an incredible animation program um, that's very well known i believe but the film production program is it's a good thing to have on your resume if you want to get into the industry afterwards so yeah we kind of you know you got a bit of cinematography a bit of editing producing a bit of set design experience I did mostly um production design directing and editing I think in my time there and um, and back then would, was it final cut like it was for us or was it uh we actually started on Avid oh in wow school, in school and then Actually, I left Vancouver after X-Men wrapped because I got asked to be an editor for these heliski movies. Sick. Um, for, for kind of brings guy. it back home. <laughs> I, totally. I was yeah. like, well, I know this world yeah. for sure. And um, it was a gig and I was really interested in editing. So I moved to Calgary and, and was um, editing for a guy named John Eves, who was a James Bond stunt double in the 80s. He was like the Willie Bogner model for um for all these fancy ski clothes in the 80s he i think he was an olympic aerialist and ski ballet uh performer actually i don't know if you knew that that existed it's quite i did not watch that's yeah, awesome you can watch like people do a pas de deux on skis um, wow <laughs> i'm never uh, yeah, humanity always amazes me in all the right and wrong ways and that that's the right way <laughs> that's <laughs> sure. so, so wonderful and I'm, I'm curious while you were doing film school was there a part of you that like kind of missed acting or were you acting in your friends films like where was your head on on, on that horizon yeah that was sort of the strange thing about it all was i just wanted to be acting like the whole time and and even when I started doing my own films afterwards, it was, you know, I'm directing other people and I threw myself in a music video or two here and there, but it was just, it was literally something I thought of like every day through high school, through all my twenties until I finally, like at 28, stepped away from music and directing and decided to go for it. I, I, I took a break as well. So I really identify with that. Um, mm. forgive me. Cause now I, I also forgot music. So what in Vancouver, were you doing music as well there? What, when did the music really start? The music started in Calgary. Um, in Calgary. So before yeah. Vancouver. Okay. No, afterwards. Oh, after, the heli skiing. Got it. The heli skiing. Job. Yeah. I, that was, I was doing the editing for ski films only for about a year, maybe. And then I actually, was hired full-time as a production coordinator 
at a production company in town. And so I sort of did the whole, you know, film production world, office world for a little while, but it was, I'm really grateful for that experience. They're, they're called White Iron Productions. I don't believe they exist any longer, but they were uh, initially a subsidiary of, of CBC or CFCN, or sorry, maybe it was CTV, I can't remember. But um, they were doing a lot of work in the area, and it, I'm I'm so grateful for that time because it gave me the opportunity to kind of start shooting my own stuff. They had some gear in house, and I was allowed to kind of take the camera when I wanted yeah. to. So there was this little HVX 200 camera that I started shooting friends' dance performances and my own little music video projects, um, and that kind of began as a side not hustle really, but just a, a place to explore my own work as a director and editor while I was sort of coordinating more corporate stuff really. Yeah. Um, and, and then I started playing music a couple of years into living in Calgary and um, the whole indie band world was very much alive in the city at that time. And I think it still is. I just haven't lived there for many yeah. years. Well, actually I'm here right well, now. Well, yeah, you got so Nardwar in Vancouver, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I started playing in bands um, and, and actually started touring a little bit too. So I kind of started splitting my time between, um, between directing and, and editing some projects. I, I was traveling a little, a little bit doing fashion films and music videos and things. And then, would go off on the road on tour and and those that, that was kind of my main thing all while you know thinking about being an actor and that's so I funny <laughs> I, I was a roadie before I got back into acting oh funny yeah, yeah there's so many ways you can avoid actually doing it you know it's, a, it's, it's one of those things man but yeah. we're meant to come to it when we do and so then while you were doing those films you know you you walked away from the, the hell skiing thing after a year and then you started doing these things and then did music become your prerogative for a while? Yeah, I suppose it did. I, I joined a band that was touring quite a bit and I sort of put directing aside and um, then ended up moving to Toronto and was active with that band for a while while starting to really pursue acting. Got it. Um, so the move to Toronto was really to step into that commitment and actually get myself to some training and, and an agent. I had an agent in Calgary and I had done a little gig on hell on wheels, the AMC yeah, series that was great. shooting here yeah. for many years. So that was really cool to, so that was a like co-star guest star. Oh, it was of. an actor role. Oh, uh, like yeah. one word. That's it. Line that, that got uh, cut in the end. So, hey, you got the credit. <laughs> but I was there. <laughs> exactly that was the credit that probably got me the agent that was so sweet to take me on when I got to Toronto because I did my whole I did the the full-on like went online looked at every agency did the research put had like an a-list a b-list a c-list probably a d-list and I didn't hear back from any of the a-listers actually except for one who I taped for and they were very quickly like thank you. You're not ready yet, but get back to us later. Cool. And yeah. it was nice. And yeah. then I kind of went through the B roll and then maybe the C roll and, you know, very, very sweet woman took me on and we, we got some, some little gigs, um, some actor and principal role stuff. Every, every job has been a little bigger than the last, which was a good sign for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of, that started a bit of a path. And in the meantime, I had just kind of started putting myself through this full-time boutique acting school um, training Canadian program. Film Center? Or? Well, that was actually, that came a couple of years after I had moved to Toronto, which was a huge one for me. But um, And you, that was, was going, for acting? Yeah, that was for acting. So, Do you, do you know Canadian, Gia Sudu? Yeah. Yeah, she just did the show. Yeah, I saw that. Actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's sweet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we, um, well, I was in Toronto doing all these classes, just so as many as I could get my hands on, really, and kind of put myself through that boutique schooling for two years. And then I applied to the Canadian Film Centre and was really 
kind of blown away to, to get into that. And, um, and that was over 2017. And I think that really gave me not only the first real, what felt like maybe more traditional or, or sort of legitimate training. Cause yeah. some of it was with theater mentors a lot of my classmates had already been to the National Theater School and they were like, okay, I've done this thing before. I've yeah. laid on the ground and rolled and moaned for years. Like, I want to be on set now. I want to learn these other things. Yeah, and they're yeah, going, cool. okay, I've been on set a million times and it's a place where I'm really comfortable, but I want to learn all these, these basics, you know, that I haven't really ever gotten into um because I just kind of threw myself into on-screen classes yeah. and Meisner and things like that and so coming out of the CFC was huge because it allowed me to kind of step into having um some more reputable representation yeah I was gonna say you definitely had to have flexed up right that's a huge yeah yeah yeah, yeah they're they really um in some ways I think that school is I think they sort of see themselves as a bit of a star maker program in a sense, because everyone they're bringing on is actually already quite established yeah. and it's giving them the resources to be seen a little bit more, especially in the Toronto community. So I was super grateful just to kind of be welcomed into that community by way of having done that program and, and also um, was able to just experience some incredible mentorship. Lindy Davies was one of um, our mentors in that program and, she, she's worked with Kate Blanchett and Michelle wow. Williams and having her insight um, and just her experience coming from the theater. She did a lot of political theater in the, in the seventies and eighties in, in the UK. And um, she's just so raw and real. And she really, she kind of gave me the glimpse. I don't know if you've had this experience where I finally was like, I think I get what acting is now. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally. okay. I think I actually finally understand what I'm trying to do here because I really felt in some ways like I get exactly what this is, but I kind of actually have no idea what I'm doing or how to find what feels like just a satisfied sense of truth in the work, totally. you know, and, and be like, okay, this is cool. I feel like I got through the lines and maybe I looked emotional, but I feel like shit because I wasn't actually connected. Were and you guys really even doing productions there Lit little on camera exercises mostly okay. um we did we were a part of some of the the director's lab and writer's lab um projects uh here and there but our big pro our big pieces were our what's called close-ups which is they're sort of character studies like five minute character studies that we did as our final project as the actors conservatory. And so we, as individual actors created a character and then we collaborated with a writer from the writer's lab and then produced these little shorts, um, which was, I would say the most like, yeah, sort of most uh, fully formed um, project that we did at that time. That's awesome. And then how, how many years was that program? It's seven months. Oh, seven like, months. Okay. Wow. Yeah, just just uh, every day for seven months, a another intensive program. And then you're kind of just out in the world, which I was really grateful for, because at that point in my life, I had considered, again, trying to go down to the States and like yeah. maybe get into Tish or something and, and do that. Just just do step into some school that I knew would secure me most likely a career afterward, yeah. but I'm looking at my age and <laughs> time and how long it had taken me to actually do it. And I was like, I think I need to just get as much information in a short period of time as I can and really just trust that I'm going to learn with experience. And that's kind of all, always how I have done things anyways, just to throw myself in the hot pot and, and learn as I go, you know, just rise to the challenge and Totally, totally feel that. I'm yeah. the same. And and so when you graduated and you got this better rep, did you start auditioning a lot more? Yeah. Well, it was actually interesting because the the rep that I had at that time wanted to move slowly out of the program and I had a totally different idea about it. I was really ready to hit the ground running. Yeah. So course. I actually didn't I auditioned a shockingly little amount the year after that, and it was really difficult for me. So I actually moved agencies and I moved into the, um, to the characters, which is 
where I am now. And they had always kind of been like the Holy Grail of Canadian agencies for me. Is that the one that said, call me back later? No, actually. Oh, that would have been such a cool story. (laughs) (laughs) No. You should should send a hit run. (laughs) I think they actually had turned me down like three times over the years. I'm going to have to give them a call. Be like, you know who you're (laughs) fucking with? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Your loss. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I moved over to them and then things just went much. It was, I think it's a huge part of it is having a a team that really sees you and sees your own vision for yourself. Yeah. Because I think that the way that I'm likely perceived, you know, through my headshot and who I am and where I come from are two very, very different things. And um, as much as I want to be able to step into any role on any show there's definitely um a certain type of work that I want to be doing and that I just kind of feel more called to and connected to and my agent now um she just kind of saw that from the beginning and and we were together for I think not even a year when the audition came up for hit and run and so we had done there was a um I think a role on a Canadian show called Murdoch Mysteries, which is like in its 15th season or something. Nice. And, One of those um, long lasting. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. A mainstay. Um, and then I did a little feature film called Queen of Spades. Yeah. I saw um, that. Yeah. And, and then that summer hit and run came up and for both of us and my agent had taken me on. As, so is this, um, is this pre pandemic summer or 2020? Like what? This was 2019. 2019. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of right before. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, she was um, sort of new, taking on her own roster. She had been the executive assistant of one of the head agents at the, at the characters. And so they sort of both took me on, but she was my head person and was building up her roster. So when this happened, it was kind of, it really happened for both of us, which was yeah. so exciting because we were kind of in similar places in our careers where we were both hungry. And I think that that was, that's something in, having moved over to that agency and partnering with someone who was just super talented, had been under the wing of a veteran for a long time and was just totally ready to do it. Like we both have just kind of had the same steam, which I think is really important when you're a new person in a, in a bigger place to have someone who's hasn't been around for a ton of time and then has a really successful roster already kind of need someone who's thirsty to do the run with you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, yeah, that audition came up in August of 20 or June of 2019. And then a couple months later, the news came through and it kind of just. Congratulations. That's so <laughs> awesome. You. And you so do, do, do you, are, are you Jewish? Do you speak Hebrew? I'm not Jewish. I learned to speak a little bit of Hebrew. Um, but phonetically. And, uh, pardon me. But phonetically where you map out the sounds of the words oh yeah yeah yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. read yeah I can't read Hebrew I do want to learn more though because we we went over in 2020 to shoot the rest of the season and we're paused like four weeks out of wrapping the first season so we had to wait a year to go back and finish like the last 10 percent of the season wow. and the first year I hadn't taken on learning any Hebrew besides the tiny little bit that I that I do speak in the show and then the second year I was like what am I doing I really need to step into like actually learning this language so I can communicate more when I'm out there and it will also help the scene yeah. as well luckily I, I shot that scene um, this year so I learned more um, prior to my leaving the beginning of 2021 to, to go finish I, and- I knew more Hebrew then and and so you guys shot in Tel Aviv because it's it's Israel's mm-hmm. first piece for Netflix, right? Uh, maybe original, yeah. Got it. Uh, maybe original, but Fauda, um, which Leo Raz and Avi Zakharov, who created our show, had created Fauda in Israel, and Netflix picked it up for distribution on its maybe first season, and then. Um, I think have can, have now partnered up with them to do subsequent seasons, but. It might it might be the first time Israel's has like a yeah Netflix original. That was it's IMDb trivia, but uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that's where I Hopefully pulled I got that right. right. Yeah, no, yeah. it was great. Um, <laughs> and who knows if IMDb trivia is even right? But how how was going there? Was that a, a wild experience? You know, 
Yeah, it's such an amazing place. Um, I had wanted to go to the Middle East just in general for a long, long time. It's one place that I haven't traveled in my life. And and Tel Aviv in particular is it's just an incredibly vibrant city. Um, the food is incredible, as you would hear from anyone who's been there. Yeah. It's a it's it's quite gentrified. So, you know, as a, a North American, um, if you desire any of the conveniences that you, you can find at Chipotle <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you, not that so much yeah, yeah. um but you can get a green juice and a you know a fancy coffee with like oat milk and yeah and shop and all of that stuff um but it's 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 yeah it was just amazing to be there and and all of the Israeli actors in the show are all really incredible actors. It was just so cool to have that camaraderie with people from a totally different culture across the world. And you're just all on set. You all know the kind of language of being on set together and the language of film and, and just sort of bringing people together from all over the world. It was the most international project by far that I've been a part of. And um, especially as an actor. So just to work at that level and then have just such an amazing crew and cast of people, it was it was a pretty surreal experience and, and yeah, I just find myself ever more grateful for it as time goes on. I'm so happy for you. And it, it brought back the the dance and the movement, right? You got to use that. Yeah. It was yeah. really cool actually that, um, that I got to do that. I had really hoped to be able to do something with dance in my acting work. Um, and I think this was kind of the only way that that could have been done given that, the Batsheva company is a contemporary company and they're much more abstract and in form um, given my injury history and just where I'm at in my life now, if it had been classical ballet or something, there's no way I would have been cast. Yeah. Um, so it was just kind of this perfect little opportunity to be able to, to do that. Um, and also just experience the professional world of dance in that way. I had, I had sort of brushed the periphery of it in my life and spent time on stage and in studios with companies. Um, But it was extra special to be able to do that in Israel with that company. They're just really quite exceptional. Um, The dancers and the, and the choreography, Ohad Narin is the artistic director who created Gaga, which has now become a, a fairly world wide or how would I say this a a fairly like um well-known approach around the world I think there's gaga classes happening all over the place now because they're also created for regular people they have gaga dancers classes and gaga people classes so people in their 70s with old injuries can go in and do a gaga class yeah it's really accessible to everyone and it's amazing so there was just so many so many reasons why um, it felt right to be sort of dancing in that context, I suppose. Yeah. And, and do you feel like this is the first time you really got to like sink your teeth into a character and cultivate it and do all the things that you've been wanting to do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my character Danielle in the show, she's incredibly complex and layered. Yeah, and to say the and least. Some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> to be, you know, totally honest, in some ways, kind of stepping into a role like that um, was super terrifying. And then in some ways, because she is so layered and the story takes place over so much time, it was equally as like, nerve-wracking as it was relieving that you know taking on a lead role in a feature where you're seen in every film like consistency and storyline and arc needs to be really on point or it's going to be kind of jarring right but with this I was like well if I didn't totally nail it you know we're kind of you don't know what year it is at what point in you know their relationship it is I kind of got to explore those moments in time as they were like these sort of standalone periods as opposed to having to relate to the moment before or you know what was coming next all the time so it was it was an incredibly free experience to just to kind of go into every scene as its own little beast and um it just made me more hungry for the next thing just to have more responsibility and more of a challenge and um a lot of the scenes that had initially been 
written into the scripts got cut um, prior to even shooting because we started running out of time and we had shot all of the New York scenes prior in the fall of 2019. So by the time we got to Israel, they were like really trying to, I think, get, get things done and they had started to piece things together. So it all was becoming more clear at that time. And so given that my character was shot pretty much exclusively in Tel Aviv, a lot of those scenes were, were left out and we didn't even shoot them. So in the end, I didn't have as much, um, as I had hoped, I think, or that I just felt really ready for. But once again, having it be sort of my first big role, especially in an American series like that, it was, I sort of took it as just a, okay, well, it's better to have, you know, 20 or 30 scenes through a, a first season of a show that you can really nail as opposed to being handed way too much in your first go and maybe have some missteps. And, um, I think it was all, you know, turned out how it was supposed to. Well, you absolutely rose to the occasion. It's beautiful work. And I'm, I'm so, I'm just getting to know you, but I'm so proud of you. And, and while Mm. you were doing this all post Canadian film center was music still happening and, and everything were you still creating? Yeah, I, I started doing my own project called Amara, which is my middle name. It's just spelt with an extra A in the middle. Um, I started doing that as a side project to the full-time touring band that I was in. And once I left that band, Amara really became kind of my way to keep music in my life. And um, I, it took me a long, long time to put out my first six-song album and... And then in 20, actually it was in 2019, um, when I was in the process of auditioning for Hit and Run, I came back to Calgary and made the second album in like a course of 10 days. It was crazy. I just decided to get together with an old bandmate and see what could happen in a really short period of time and wanted to do an album in a couple of weeks. And it ended up all being done in the nine days that we had before I got called to New York to start the show. Yeah. So I wanted it to be a longer record, but it it ended up just being another six track album. And I did a bunch of videos for that over COVID, but yeah. I, haven't, I haven't toured that record at all. And then I kind of came back from Israel in March, back to Calgary into the same studio with the same collaborator, Brock Geiger, who's who I made my last record, Heart Speak With. And we've been in the studio now for since mid-March and we're just putting literally the finishing touches today on the album and going to mix it in Ontario. Congratulations. Yeah. So it's, it's been kept alive and I'm really hoping for an opportunity to, to share it in a live setting more now. Um, It's becoming more realized and, and it's, you know, just goes hand in hand with trying to be more, more of my own voice, you know, so yeah. it's important to just keep trying to find your own voice, your own truth, I guess. Well, you've done a beautiful job. Your music is is outstanding. And I, I highly recommend everyone listening. I'm going to link it below. It's so beautiful. And, and your single Awake is is the one that I listened to. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the video was awesome as well. And, you know, I'm so curious. What, what's next for you? Um, well, I guess this record will come out soon. I'll start to roll it out with some some videos hopefully and um i'm i'm auditioning at the moment the show just came out on the 6th which is really cool yeah um after a long wait it's finally in the must world, be cool so. you know i'm sure you're getting some yeah. cool, cool and very weird dms <laughs> <laughs> you know what's the weirdest thing maybe i shouldn't say this on a but no I, say it no i just i keep somehow my whatsapp information is like I keep, I'm getting like phone calls today and I don't know. And it's like on private, but I don't know how, and I don't know if that means they have my phone number. I have to figure this stuff out. It's kind of strange. Yeah. I haven't really thought about this. Well, if you need security, I I got your back for your charge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The D I don't know. I mean, social media, it's a whole weird thing that I've actually like not been a part of for the past 10 months and put my account back just for the show and you know if there's a way to use those platforms for things you believe in in the future but it's a whole bizarre part of our world now that I just am really not relating to um much at all I totally understand if it weren't for the show I'd be off 
But um, where, where is home now? Is home LA or is home, like, where is home? Yeah, um, it's my stuff is in yeah. a place in Topanga. I haven't been there since last December, but I guess that would be like the closest thing I have to a home right now. And um, it's kind of over the years, really, wherever I am, because I've moved around yeah. so much that it just I've had to just adapt to making home you know, a hotel room or an Airbnb or friend's place. Um, but that's one thing that I'm feeling in my life right now is where can I put down roots and where can I really feel yeah. home? And I spent the last month in BC out on the coast, Vancouver and Victoria and the Pacific Northwest and the Gulf Islands are just so stunning. And I really yeah. feel called back to, <clears throat> to that area of the world. So we'll see. I see like a California BC split happening but um, i love it i love your energy answer is like oh thank you <laughs> you got a very like red wine soothing we should get a project going i feel like we could do some red cool stuff. <laughs> Funny. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice but, no i i love your work I, I, I like truly you're you're a visionary and seriously i'd love to collaborate i like it's so rare that i see someone with like a taste that i'm like I love that. And cool. yeah, it's awesome. And I, I'm so Thank excited you. for all this to come for you. Thanks so much. Yeah. It's uh hopefully just a, you know, um, opening doors for the next thing. It's always just so exciting to have open air as much as it's obviously nerve wracking, you know, doing what we do it, not really knowing what's next. Um, that's also the beauty of it is that, suddenly you're in what's next and going oh wow okay could never have anticipated this is what it would be and and um so I look forward to seeing what it is that reveals itself to me as my next bit of time yeah yeah well I'm, I'm excited for this record and when the record comes on come back on the show let's talk about it Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure it gets into your hands. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to share it. It's been a a good labor of love this year. I didn't anticipate this entire year was going to be turned into making an album. So that that was definitely related to COVID and the state of the world. So it was one yeah. good thing that came out of it for me. Yeah, you kind of took my next question. So then final question is, is what's been keeping you inspired? Yeah, I think... Um, music and just creativity um I really thrive off a sense of purpose you know and that's also something I've had to sort of examine within myself you know what does that mean if I'm you know draw bliss at a time do I suddenly feel like I don't know who I am and yeah you know I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing um but I think you know in you having the show and in so many people now wearing many different hats I think it's so important to just keep creating in some way yeah. just to keep that muscle of creativity sort of moving. And so for me, it's been, well, what is available to me? You know, if I'm, I don't ever want to have my creativity be governed by an industry that says, yes, you can work or no, you can't, totally. you know, it's either like, okay, yes, here's this job for you. And if I don't, have anything then can I make something for myself and that's music or a music video or you know even just life I think life as creativity or you know approaching it a little more ceremonial you can be just as creative you know cleaning your house or putting together a home or making a meal or um, you know exploring different conversations with people and I think for me that's been been the biggest thing to keep inspiring and also I found in the past year just really trying to stay in touch with the world a little bit more it's easy to be kind of like really self-involved as an artist and then I realize the more I actually reach out and look out into the world and see you know how other people are experiencing it um, the more I can kind of get out of my own head and my own ego and just be a part of humanity in a way um, which has been just really nice, nice thing to kind of visit and, and stay grounded in just like be a, you know, a human being that's taking part in the whole global organism thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, trying to not get disillusioned and, and be a better human myself. You know, it's a, 
process mm-hmm. of, of, of trial and error. But uh, man, this was such a pleasure. You're, you're a, a beautiful artist and you, I'm so excited. You're just getting started, dude. You're, you're going to go mm-hmm. so far. And, and, and when you're ready to do a show in New York, let me know, you know, I always got friends doing shows so I can help you put something together. Rad. Yeah. I love yeah. playing New York. It's really fun. Um, yeah. and I'm super excited to do that. I I'm, I'm excited to see live shows again and be a part of live shows again. It'll me be, too. I just, I'm like really so really worried. Nice. They're starting to cancel some of them. So I'm like, Fuck. I know. Yeah. I really feel for me, especially career musicians who, who don't do other things. It's been crazy to watch them sort of be rendered like non-essential it's so strange there's so many friends um, of mine that that uh, you know do yeah. the career thing and and taught for survival now all those music schools have closed and now they're just mm. like you know it's like oh man it's so bleak yeah it is i you know i think we were talking about just for a minute like being a better person i think it's just the time for all of us to look at what our role is as a species on this planet and what's important and how to move forward because it really is, things are changing a lot, but there seems to be a grip on trying to keep things the way they've always been, which are just, just so clearly are not working because we're dealing with this, you know, infectious disease and, and the climate sort of deteriorating. Um, It's really, it's really sad, but I think there's a lot of opportunity for hope and change. And that really, really relies on us, you know, as individuals just going, okay, how can I examine my role in all of this? And, you know, it starts with me. So what changes do I make towards that? And what's important? Is it like art and music and, you know, gardening and cleaning up after ourselves, or is it still capitalism and money and I think that capitalism is the, the root of all the problems. If you I've ask me, I've opened a can of worms we yeah. don't have time for. <laughs> Sorry. On that note, oh, oh so nice rad. One. Yeah. Cool. So much love, oh, man. man. Stay in touch and come back yeah, on when the record's do. out. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Have a, have a great day. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.